the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another episode of Sideline Sanity with me, Michelle Tafoya. You see that subscribe button right there? Please punch it. Please tell your friends. Subscribe. We love this podcast. We want you to love it. And we think if you keep listening and listen to past episodes, you will love it. Do you love Hollywood? This is a question that is very serious, quite frankly. I used to love Hollywood. I grew up in Southern California and Hollywood was a big deal in my my youth. We'd go and watch the the stars arrive at the Oscars and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, every kid in Southern California wanted to be an actor, wanted to be in Hollywood. I don't know if that's still true. Hollywood's a very different place than it was in its quote unquote golden era. We know it's left of center, but is it genuinely? I think it is genuinely left of center. What I mean by that is, are people just hiding behind it? You know, are they are they really conservatives in Hollywood? Do they exist and they just speak out of the other side of their mouth in order to stay employed? It's an interesting question, and we're seeing examples of it all over the place. But we're also seeing examples of films with sort of atypical Hollywood values, like Top Gun Maverick and like Jesus Revolution, making tons of money. So why won't the studios follow suit? Don't they want to make money? A lot of the films that are out there, they don't make money because people aren't interested in the stories. So why won't they do it? This is a question we are posing today to Christian Toto, whose website, Hollywood in Toto, T-O-T-O, is accessible on the internet, interweb, obviously, but he also has a podcast, Hollywood in Toto. You should check him out. Get a taste of what he does right now with us. He's a really cool guy. He's a film critic, just like any other film critic but with a slightly right of center take. And it's very worth listening to. That's next. For nearly three decades, she's reported the action from the sidelines. She started very young. She's covered the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and the college football and basketball national championships. And now, during these insane times in our world, Michelle Tafoya thinks we need a serious dose of sanity. This is Sideline Sanity with your host, one of the sanest people on planet Earth, Michelle Tafoya. Christian Toto, welcome to the show. What is it like to (laughs) exist in this realm of Hollywood when your take is so much different from most people's (laughs) in in that industry? Just a little bit different. I I joke that I'm a spotted unicorn in my field. But you know what? Things are okay. I I think I reach a lot of people who want to hear what I have to say. And also, I think Hollywood treats me with respect. I go to the film screenings. I get interviews with actors from time to time. And, you know, I conduct myself in as professional a manner as possible. So I think that helps. But certainly, the messages I share and some of the opinions I I offer – are not exactly in line with Hollywood Inc., but that's okay. <laughs> that is okay. Um, you know, there's this There's this group called, is it, do I have it right, Friends of Lincoln? Friends of Abe? Friends of Abe. 
tell our audience what Friends of Abe is, because I learned about this through someone who's conservative, who told me it's sort of this underground group of conservatives Mm. in Hollywood who get together and no one knows who's in the group so that they can all still work. Well, that's a pretty good description. Actually, it really does share why both it matters and also the current state of Hollywood, because if you're a left of center actor, you're just a left of center actor. You can say what you want. You can do what you want. You can contribute to any cause you want. You can be very public about it. And there's no problem with that. And that is how it should be. Right. You know, you can have an opinion. You can you can donate to your causes. That's fine. That's the American way. But a lot of conservative actors don't feel that way. They don't feel safe enough in their career, in the work they do, that they can talk about politics from a right of center perspective and still get the jobs they want to get and, and, and avoid being marginalized. So the group Friends of Abe was a place, a sort of a society where they could meet in private, you know, network, commiserate, chat with friends and be able to be conservative in a way that is typical and normal. So I, I think the only question remaining is I don't know exactly if the group exists today there were some uh, tensions within the group within the trump years so uh, i don't know the current status but that's what friends of abe's has has been for years and i know some people in it but i wouldn't share who they are uh, see that's the thing you can't you you don't want to out anyone which is just it's really bizarre to me that we've gotten to this level and i know a lot of people agree with that it's like mm-hmm. you can't just admit what your beliefs are and and yeah. still get a job in hollywood it's ridiculous to me And the one person that comes to mind is Kelsey Grammer. And now he Mm -hmm. does a lot of work for Fox Nation and and so forth. Is he is he done as a regular Hollywood? You know, when he did Frasier and that character on Cheers and then Mm -hmm. the the later show Frasier was so successful. But obviously he's a conservative. Is he done in Hollywood? You know, he's not. There are a few stars who navigate both worlds. John Voight comes to mind for sure. And I think the couple of things they have in common that they're very talented people. I think Kelsey Grammer is really underrated how good he is across the board. I agree. Dramatic chops, very funny fellow. So I I think he can exist in both worlds. But when you think about what what Kelsey Grammer says on any given interview, is it outrageous? Is it over the top? Is it mean? No, it's kind of gently right of center for sure. But he's not in your face. He's not aggressive. And, you know, I, I don't know why that should be, you know, uh, beyond the pale. Uh, so I think there are some actors who are able to be open about it and exist, but many aren't open about it. Many fear being open about it. But uh, I, I think that the, the grammars and the voids are the exceptions. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. What about Mark Wahlberg? I mean, he he certainly trends a little bit, right? And mm. and you know, this this recent kerfuffle about him <laughs> presenting an award to an Asian cast at mm-hmm. the SAG Awards when he, at the ripe old age of sixteen, 
had a very violent altercation with a with a Korean grocer or Korean store owner for yes. which he's apologized and all the rest. And I didn't think this kerfuffle would last long, and I don't think that it has. Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, he manages to do okay. He does. You know, I don't even think he's conservative, at least outwardly. I think he's a person of faith, and he speaks that way. And maybe some of his conversations would would indicate he's right of center. But I don't think he's uh, preaching. I don't think uh, anything he says is outrageous. And I, you know what? The, the, mention, the thing you mentioned about the, what he did in the past, no one defends it. But that's, you know, I think he's around 50 years old now. At what point can we say we need to forgive people who have apologized, who have led uh, an exemplary life? He's married. He's got kids. He seems like a good person. Uh, he hasn't committed anything awful in decades. So, you know, I, I kind of want to live in a space where, yeah, we can condemn what he said and what he did. It was gross, but he was 16. He was a kid. And, you know, and he's high, lived a clean life. Or drunk at the time or something yeah, like that. Yeah, you know, we can all look back at our lives. I've never done anything <laughs> quite like that. But, you know, there are things we're not proud of. Absolutely. And I, I, I just don't like this space where we can't forgive and we can't kind of accept that people evolve and they change and they grow. And there's no reason to think that Mark Wahlberg has those thoughts anymore right. and hasn't had them for decades. So, you know, he should be out there as an actor, as a peer you know, giving props to a movie like uh, Everything Everywhere all, all at once. Uh, and he is also he, seemingly patriotic, at least from mm -hmm. what I've seen of him, which I know is often taboo. Like you talk, <laughs> let, let me just finish up the Screen Actors Guild. Um, sure. Uh, Sally Field, I, I, mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I couldn't believe she did this. She talked about the color of her skin, making life easier for her than it yeah. was for many people in the audience. Now, whether or not that's correct uh, can be debated, but clearly this was a virtue signal. Was it not? Mm -hmm. Listen, th it was for sure. And what, uh, actor Nick Searcy, who is another actor who is very open, pretty pugnacious on social media, if you follow him. And I don't know if he's been able to straddle the line completely between sort of secular Hollywood and maybe the right of center version. But what he said makes sense. When you see an actor say something like this, it doesn't it doesn't happen for for no reason. What they're doing is they're basically auditioning for future roles. They're saying, hey, I think like the community thinks I am one of you and you should think of me in that way. And the next time you've got a role for an older actress, maybe maybe Sally Field's name should pop into your head. That's why they say what they say. You know, at the end of the day, I'm sure she worked very hard to get where she was. I'm sure any actress who has, you know, survived in Hollywood for decades has faced, uh, you know, discrimination, has faced, you know, job losses. The casting couch. The what casting else? couch. Yeah. You know, women who get older are treated in a different way than men. Totally. You know, you know, Liam Neeson's 70 and still doing action movies yeah. without blinking an eye. That's yeah. not really possible for many women. So there's lots of things I'm sure she's gone through. She's a terrific actress. No one takes away from her. Correct. It's a virtue signal. Yeah. And, you know, there may be people in the crowd when she's speaking who are black or a different uh, you know, nationality, and maybe they grew up affluent, or maybe they had a pretty good ride. I mean, we just to generally say, oh, because you're a person of color, you had it much harder. Well, that's not necessarily true in America today. Thank goodness. You know, it certainly was in the past. But, you know, I, I, this whole thing where we have to kind of genuflect or this identity politics crusade, it, it's off-putting, you know, be honest, be bold, be true. But don't say the things you think you need to say. Just share your thoughts. Be grateful, you know, about where your career has gone and move on. 
Adam Carolla, I think, or Drew Pinsky said the same thing on Megyn <laughs> Kelly's podcast recently that, you know, you have to say these things in order if you want to keep working in Hollywood. But this is yes. what's so weird is that Hollywood, it, it, in what we refer to now as the golden era, <laughs> used to be a place where patriotism was celebrated, where, you know, it, it, there weren't necessarily these these sort of woke views of the world in Hollywood. They made pictures that made people happy. They made mm -hmm. pictures that made you think or that were emotional in some way. They made pictures that told stories, really good mm -hmm. stories. And it seems like, you know, for example, now we've got Top Gun Maverick, which I, I think was a tremendous film, but it is so out of the norm, isn't it? <laughs> It shouldn't be out of the norm, it but you're right. Be. It, just, it, it sold, you know, it, it, it made a ton of money. Why would you yeah. turn away from that? Yeah, you, you know, you would think that once that movie came out and was huge and made all the money, you think that every studio head would rally his or her troops and say, listen, guys and gals, look at that movie. We need to copy that because that's what Hollywood does. They, they, you know, there's something successful. They make more of it. it yes. you know, it, so that's been the formula for years and years. I don't know if that's happening right now. It certainly should be. But the one thing that I've heard as a film critic for years, and this was even before the pandemic, which obviously changed a lot was, you know, I love movies. I used to go all the time. I don't go as much anymore. Mm -hmm. Hear it constantly. Yeah. And that isn't just rising ticket prices. It isn't just streaming. There's something else going on there. And I think that's what people are, are, are saying without saying sometimes that the stories just don't speak to them like they once did. Yeah. And, you know, there's still, you know, blockbuster, blockbuster movies. And even the recent Avatar, The Way of Water, I think one of the secrets to a success, it's about the nuclear family. It's about standing up for your children. And, you know, with all the razzle dazzle and everything that James Cameron, the director can offer, that's the core of the story. And I think he's a, a very populist filmmaker. He's very left of center for sure. He's a big environmentalist, but he knows that when people go to the movies, they need to see certain things and he puts them in his movies and they're often very, very successful. Well, Top Gun had people, you know, Top Gun Maverick had people going back to the theaters after the <laughs> pandemic, which yes. was no small feat. I mean, I took my whole family. The four of us went and sat in a movie theater together for the first <laughs> time since my kids were toddlers and we saw you know mm. like madagascar or something it was it was a, an amazing thing and it had men crying and <laughs> women cheering and kids going wow and uh it is it is truly amazing to me we we know the little story about steven spielberg saying to tom cruise mm. at the academy awards luncheon or whatever it was the oscar luncheon you saved hollywood but uh -huh. has he really He's trying. <laughs> He's only one person. He's yeah. doing the best he can do. But yeah, I think his attitude could save Hollywood in that he is very thankful for his fans. He is laser focused, not on preaching. He did a little bit of that back in the day. No yeah. more. Yeah. He wants to make the very best movie possible with the best actors possible, with the best talent surrounding him. And I think that spirit doesn't always work. Tom Cruise has had his duds along the way as well. The mummy was terrible. Uh, <laughs> but I think that that sentiment would really help the industry. Less preaching, more gratitude, more let's make a show that everyone can, can enjoy. Uh, Tom Cruise was at an event recently uh, and was being honored for his work and his lifetime of work. And he said something that was so interesting. He said, you know, I've, I'm so grateful to be able to work around the globe and to live this adventurous life. And, you know, the more I go out there and the more I visit different countries, the more I realize we're really much more alike than we think. And I thought, well, what a beautiful statement. And how 
subversive in 2023 because that's not what we hear from these stages. It's identity politics and I'm this and I'm that and you're this and you're that. I was mistreated because of, of this and that. We are all alike. And that's why these stories, that's why Hollywood matters and why it speaks to us. That's why it's pop culture is so important. It's such a wonderful art form. I've dedicated my career to covering it. So I think that sentiment, which sounds very basic and simple, really is is revolutionary in a way right now, because I don't think many actors think that way, or maybe they're not allowed to think that way. You know, those films that show like total disaster in the world and everything's you know, exploding. And how do people eat in those circumstances? Where do they go? Or do they, does everyone just starve and we all die? Well, we hope that's not the case. And for you, you can make sure it's not the case with fourpatriots.com. This is what is commonly called survival food. I call it common sense backup plan. You order the food, all kinds of meals, breakfast, lunch, dinners, and you stack them somewhere in the basement, in your pantry, wherever they're going to keep for 25 years. Fourpatriots.com is the place to go to get this done. And if you use my code, Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-E, you get 10% off your first purchase on anything in the store, including this three-month survival kit. You're going to get their famous year-long guarantee after you order, plus free shipping on orders over $97. And they're called Four Patriots because a portion of every sale is donated to charities who support our veterans and their families. And we love that. The kits are compact. They're sturdy, water resistant. They're hand packed right in a family owned facility here in America, giving jobs to over 200 Americans. And we love that well, just as well. Go to fourpatriots.com, use code Michelle 1L, get 10% off. That's the number fourpatriots.com, code Michelle, M I C H E L E. Start building your own backup plan today. So I'm at your website here, uh, which people should check out. It's pretty cool. Um, and it is Hollywood in Toto, T-O-T-O, dot com. Uh, the right take on entertainment. Walter White fights his privilege. Brian Cranston's uber woke take on U.S. history denies inconvenient truths. What is going on with Brian Cranston? <laughs> <laughs> Brian Cranston is a very talented fellow. And Extreme, by, I like Breaking Bad was his yes. vehicle, man. It was good. He's a great actor. He was in a movie a couple of years ago called The Infiltrator. If you've never seen that, it's a good sleeper. Just kind of went in and out of theaters. No one cared, but it was very good. So it's a quick recommendation. But listen, he lives in Hollywood. He's one of the actors, like Adam Carolla said on that podcast, where he knows he needs to say certain things to keep getting a gig. I think he's in his 60s now. I mean, he works all the time. But, you know, I've spoken to actors over the years, and even the ones who work constantly, they're always worried about what's the next gig, what's the next script, what if it all goes away tomorrow? And yeah. it's a very realistic worry sure, because absolutely. it could go away. There's yeah. the new flavor of the month, and the guy and gal who's been working forever all of a sudden finds they don't have gigs. Yeah. So I think the normal fear in Hollywood gets ratcheted up with this whole woke sensibility where you, you not only have to do all the right things, you have to say all the right things. And if you don't, maybe there's someone else who's saying all the right things and maybe they get the, the nod for the next assignment and then you don't. So th I think that's partly why he says what he says. I don't think it's well thought out when he talks about America. We've never been great. You know, MAGA is racism. You know, I, I think the vast, vast majority of MAGA supporters 
want to go back to wholesome values, want to be patriotic. I don't think they're even thinking about, oh, I don't want it for a black person. Absolutely (laughs) not. uh, How about about let's have safety and good public education for everyone, for For everyone. everyone. I mean, mean, how many, (laughs) go ahead. How many Trump supporters cheered when the, the black unemployment rate, you know, dropped like a stone. It was wonderful. We want to see that. That's, that's great news. We want the opportunity, the American dream for everyone. Everyone. So with even Brian Cranston mentioning that, first of all, why would he even mention that? Why, why would you bring it up in the first place? It's a virtue signal. Yeah. It's, it's what he's thinking. And it's, you know, one of the things we, you know, we talk about Tom Cruise and what he does and his, he's almost like an ambassador for Hollywood, you know, come, come watch movies with me and I, I love you for it. Is that, you know, it's, it's the bubble mentality that's so frustrating that I see in Hollywood where, you know, if you're watching Saturday Night Live, all the jokes are, are for liberals, yes. all of them. Yes. You know, what if they stepped outside and maybe hired some people? You know, we talk about diversity. What about diversity of thought? <laughs> exactly. And, 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 and ideological thinking. You know, they're leaving money on the table by being so tunnel visioned with what they do. Does Brian Cranston read National Review or The Daily Wire? Pretty sure he doesn't. I'm pretty sure he'd maybe think about things from a different perspective if he did. And his whole, his whole worldview might ex- open up in a way that's positive. It doesn't mean he's going to vote for Trump next time, but it means that maybe he's open to different ideas and understands that not everyone sees the world exactly like everyone in his inner circle does. I think that would help his art and help him as a person. You know, I think what a lot of people would like to see, Christian, is just Hollywood be fun and funny and entertaining mm. and romantic and glamorous and all the things without bringing any of this stuff into it. Like I, I realize I, I'm starting to think, like you said, that Brian Cranston wants to be relevant. And the way mm-hmm. to be relevant right now is to say kind of outrageous things, right? To to say things that are speaking to this woke left. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I feel as though we could have a lot more successful um, industry, a, a more successful entertainment industry if we just left this shit out of it, excuse my language, but if, oh, and yeah. I was giving up cussing for Lent. <laughs> oh, I'm glad my daughter's not here. Um, <laughs> but you know, that just, why does it have to be in it so much? Why does it ha- have to be so political? Why can't we just be entertained? Yeah. I mean, there's, I think there's a whole ecosystem that supports this. I think, you, first of all, look at journalists. Now, most of them are not like me. Most of them are left of center or Absolutely. aggressively so. Yeah. So when a Brian Cranston says that, there's a good chance that he will get coverage. He will get press and the framing of it will be positive or I'd say neutral to positive. Mm-hmm. So if you're an actor, you want coverage, you want publicity. Not a bad way to go. You know, uh, Robert De Niro <laughs> spoke out yeah. against President Trump a thousand times. Yeah. And there was probably a thousand articles based on each of those outbursts. Now, when, when he says something anti-Trump, it's like, you know, a dog bites man. It's not a big news story. Right. But the way that the media works is they'll make it a story because they approve of what he has to say. Yeah. They don't like President Trump. So that's a way to kind of kill two birds with one stone. So I think that's part of it. I think part of the culture we talked about as far as, you know, basically auditioning for new gigs when you're not auditioning for new gigs is there too. And also actors want to feel relevant. You know, it's the, uh, comedian, it's the comedian who wants to be a singer. It's the actor who wants to be a politician. If they kind of get in a soapbox, all of a sudden they get all these people you know, rallying around them, putting a microphone in their faces, and they get more attention. So I understand that from a from a personal perspective too. Attention—it's such a yeah. 
such a drug. <laughs> yeah, but, but someone who, in my estimation, and I could be totally wrong, and I'll, I will defer to you on this, that who hurt herself mm-hmm. greatly by her anti-Trump rants and her crying was Deborah Messing. I used to yeah. love her when Will and Grace was a terrific show. Mm-hmm. I thought I didn't think she was the strongest actor in it, but she was certainly an anchor of it. And I appreciated that show. And then she sort of went off the rails. And I thought, this woman's a little wacko. Mm-hmm. Where does she stand these days? You know, I think because so many actors are so political and so overheated, I don't even know if she stands out in the pack as much. I mean, I think it connected for you, maybe in part because you enjoy that show so much. And I, I completely get it. I, when I first met my wife, we were watching that show all the time. So I, I think that they do themselves a disservice by going in that direction and being so hyperbolic. I think they threaten to, you know, cut ties with fans who otherwise would would endure them. You know, yeah. I don't need an actor to reflect my worldview or to vote the way I vote. My wife doesn't vote the way I vote. Mm-hmm. But if an actor is thoughtful about his or her politics and and has an opinion which is interesting and it, it, you can tell he or she is, you know, given it some real thought, I, I have no problem with that. But sort of this really angry, vitriolic speech that we hear a lot is troublesome. And I think what sticks in my craw collectively is that all these actors get on soapboxes and yet they won't speak out against censorship. They won't speak out against China and what China does behind the scenes or not even, not even behind the scenes. They won't defend conservatives who are feeling afraid and oppressed in their own industry. I would, I would be the happiest person on the planet if, if a George Clooney or a Meryl Streep came out one day and said, you know what? I don't agree with Kelsey Grammer on anything. We just are polar opposites, but he's a wonderful actor. And I would fight against anyone who would try to censor him or anyone like him. Conservatives deserve to be in Hollywood just as much as anyone else. Now, you'd never hear that speech, but it would be a wonderful speech. And it would do a lot to heal people. It wouldn't be just virtue signaling. The power of their celebrity would have a message that would resonate, but they won't say it. And they won't be asked that question either, sadly. Yeah, you know that's that's unfortunate too. I I, mm. I, I challenge you, next actor interview, <laughs> get to try to ask that question. But it is interesting, and I think I think that would get a ton of positive attention, wasn't it? Ellen DeGeneres years ago, who said she <laughs> finally met President Bush, George W. Bush, and we can get along. It was. I really like the fact that she said it, but it's interesting that she said it because it got a lot of negative reaction and not very much later, all the news about what she was doing behind the scenes, yeah. that she was not a nice boss came out. And I have to wonder sometimes when these things happen, if that is sort of the spark, if that kind of sets things in motion. Uh, it reminds me a little bit about Bill Cosby. There was a comedian, I think it was, I hope I have this right. I think it was Hannibal Burris, who was critical of, of Bill Cosby and, you know, Bill Cosby's, you know, would tell kids to hike up their pants and, and, and kind of, you know, live a good life. Yeah. And, and, and Hannibal Burris would kind of mock him for that. And, and not that long after the news started to trickle out what a horrible human being, apparently Bill Cosby was mm-hmm. I, are these conspiratorial is a cause and effect. I don't know, mm-hmm. but sometimes just saying something magnanimous can make you a target. And to, to bring up your Mark Wahlberg example, after the George Floyd death and after the rise of black lives matter, he said something, very innocuous, very sweet, very pro-peace on social media. And you know what happened? They came after him. They said, you know what? 
you beat up some people when you were 16 years old. How dare you? So even just trying to be kind and gentle can open you up for a blowback. It's amazing to, to think about the culture we live in. It, it is amazing to think about the culture we live in. And I, I think we give far too much power to social media and mm -hmm. apologize too quickly to the mob yeah. when really we should be standing up and saying, uh, sorry, you're wrong. Mm -hmm. I, or you know what? Just I'm not going to apologize to you. I'm, yeah. This is the, I I own what I've done. It happened to Matt Damon too when he uh, was talking about the Me Too movement and how mm -hmm. there was a spectrum of <laughs> of incidents. You know that a joke, an off color yeah. joke in the office was different from Harvey Weinstein raping someone. And boy, did he get obliterated. And again, he apologized. And I thought yeah. what he said was completely reasonable. And I think in retrospect, a lot of people would probably really agree, but it didn't, not in the moment, yeah. uh, you know, and I want to get back to something you said, and this is a little more personal, Christian. Mm -hmm. You said you and your wife don't vote the same. We do not. <laughs> how does that, how do you, how do you navigate your different political viewpoints in a marriage? Because you don't see that often. Mm -hmm. We can talk about Mary Madeline and what's his yeah, face. Yeah, the but, ultimate example. <laughs> yes, but... How do you navigate it? Couple things. One, uh, we don't talk about politics directly, just not a topic of our conversations. We have enough to talk about with our kids, with bills, with work, with everything. So that just, we don't go there. I will say 2016, I was not a fan of President Trump. Mm -hmm. I did not vote for him at that time. And it still caused an enormous kerfuffle at our household when he won. So that was an example where I thought I did everything I could do, but it didn't didn't uh, stop the chaos. And so that was a little bit hard in our marriage, but time went on and everything was fine. I will say when 2020 rolled around, my wife had just recently kind of battled breast cancer and we kind of looked at each other and, and I don't even know if we said it aloud. We just thought, are we going to fight about politics this time around when we just went through that? And so it was, a, it was a big nothing. So that's kind of where we stood. You know, in a way, I work for people on the right. I, pr I you know, promote ideas on the right. And some of the work my wife does, does the opposite. But that's the American way. And the better ideas should win. And um, the, at the end of the day, we love our kids. We, we care about friendships. We care about our family. Uh, we're, not live, we're not working, you know, 24 hours a day just to make money. So we have a lot of values which are actually in sync, even though on paper we have we're nothing alike. So that's that's the best way I can answer it. And it's I, not perfect. It's a well, what marriage is. You know, anyone <laughs> who says they have a perfect marriage is it's probably not perfect because yeah, yeah. I don't think it exists. But it is interesting. Um my my husband initially just hated we're we're on the same team, but mm. he hated my passion. About, he didn't hate my passion. He did. He wasn't comfortable talking in those terms. Mm -hmm. But now he's sort of gotten older and he's more of a get off my lawn kind of guy. <laughs> and we talk about it all the time. But it mm -hmm. is interesting. And it's 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 certainly 2016 separated a lot of families. Uh, yeah. You know, I have immediate family members of mine that, you know, and yeah. it, it's really it's really sad. And I think certainly Hollywood is 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 a left of center industry. There's no denying it. Journalism is as well. It's frustrating mm. to me um, because I don't think it's representative of the entire country. And I think 
now I live in the Midwest and I've, I have a lot of Midwestern sensibilities and I think that they get disrespected and overlooked. And this is flyover country, you know, and, yeah. and people only care about the coasts. And I think that's really unfortunate. I think it's short-sighted. And I'm wondering if you think uh, in the time that you've been covering Hollywood and the way that things are, that there might be a snapback or is Top Gun Maverick the cl- as close as we're going to get? Or is this, is this how Hollywood will be evermore? I think it'll be like this for the foreseeable future. I think if they don't get it now, they never will, or at least the, the people in charge won't for a while. I think there's been lots of evidence that there's a hunger for other stories. You know, you see things like The Chosen, which is a faith-based story about Jesus's days on earth, and it's wildly successful. And you don't see many copycat uh, versions of that kind of storytelling. You know, you see Fox News existing and triumphing because it offers an alternative and you don't see you don't see CNN leaning in that direction to try to get ratings. And then you look at Gutfeld, you know, for years and years, late night TV was left of center, left of center, aggressively left of center. It doesn't take a genius to say, gosh, if we had one right of center you know, show, it could clean up because half the country is not being spoken to. Yeah. But no one did it. Netflix ignored it. Hulu ignored it, Amazon ignored it, NBC ignored it. It took Fox News again to say, hey, we got this Gutfeld guy. He's pretty talented. He's really good at what he does. Why don't we give him a shot? And look what happened. He's the king of late night TV. So I think those examples just show you they don't want to go there. And that's really frustrating. It is frustrating. Um, And not only do they not want to go there, sometimes they go so far in the other direction. I, Mm. I, I canceled Disney Plus after this, you know, this animated show on the the proud family uh did what it did because Mm -hmm. it whether or not you agree with some of it it was so in your face and so over the top and so Mm -hmm. divisive and again this notion that that the color of one's skin is the ultimate distinguishing factor of someone's character when as we all know martin luther king said it best that it should be the content of your character not the color of your skin that makes you who you are and it just feels like we've gone so far in a direction that that is counter to that that i I just i just feel like where's the pendulum when's it Mm -hmm. coming back is it coming back well, I think it's partly our responsibility to make that pendulum come back. If if people on the right or center right or even just independents, if we don't support art and artists who are reaching across the aisle, who are telling different kinds of stories, then we'll get more of what we get. So I think it, part of it is on us to be more uh, open and, and to do the, the, I guess, the boycotts instead of boycotts. So I think that that's how we can kind of help move the needle. I think some of this happens organically. Like I said, The Chosen is so successful. Uh, the, the new movie Jesus Revolution made more money in one weekend than I think four of the Best Picture nominations nominees throughout their entire run. Wow. So again, a hunger for this kind of material. Will Hollywood respond? We have to wait and see. But again, with the Gutfeld example, sometimes they don't want to respond. Sometimes they just want to leave that money on the table because their ideology matters more to them. And I think that's a terrible mistake. You know, it's, um, yeah, so I guess the market has to uh, come into play here. Mm-hmm. Again, this is, it's a terrific website, Hollywood in Toto, T-O-T-O dot com. <laughs> like we're, you know, Toto, we're not in Kansas anymore. Toto, sometimes I feel like we're not in America anymore and it's, <laughs> uh, it's freaking me out. And I, I me too. All, uh, you know, all I long for is 
unity and mm. a chance for everyone, everyone. It used to be, oh, there's a war on women. Now it's, there's a mm. war on everyone. And it, eventually, you know, um, it's going to get so granular. We're just going to slice and dice until we say, you know, I, I'm a five foot five woman with mm. brunette hair and I'm over 50 and I feel oppressed. You know, it's like, you know, what? it's, it's, it's really getting nuts. My life matters. Uh, and, and I do believe black lives matter, but I don't believe in that Marxist movement of black yeah. lives matter. And, and so it's a, it's, it's a weird time we're living in. Uh, I'm, I, I'm grateful that you have this website that can, that can show us another side of it. Uh, two quick thoughts. One, I think the real war was going on right now is the war on free speech. It's the most yes. important war that's happening no domestically and we're losing. Um, and also just a, a quick plug. I just started the Hollywood in Toto podcast and we're going to have interviews each week with newsmakers, artists who are being oppressed. Um, and I really hope that people who are left of century give it a chance too, because I don't think it's divisive. I think there's a lot of common sense built into the show's DNA. And I'm looking forward to interviewing some left of center artists and, and having great conversations without screaming and yelling. So if you like screaming and yelling, don't, don't listen to the Hollywood and Toto podcast. But if you want a thoughtful debate, I, I think you'll enjoy it. I hope those left of center mm -hmm. actors accept your invitations. Because I so. I've had trouble getting left of center people to come on and talk civilly to me. And yeah, I, yeah. it's, uh, but I, I, I'm, I'll, I'm cheering you on from here. <laughs> Hollywood and Toto podcast, hollywoodintoto.com. Uh, Christian Toto, it's been great to talk to you. I hope we can do it again. I'd love to. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening, everyone. Don't forget, as always, because he just said it, the war on free speech, in order to win it, we got to be brave and we got to do good. Thanks for listening. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.